text for the sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, specifically these words. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A life for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last Sunday, I was up at the theater, at King Theater, and we were watching the movie The Case for Christ was playing. And while many people were in the movie theater, I I only stepped in for a little bit. I've seen it many times. So I was kind of out watching if anybody came for popcorn or whatever. And it was then that the news broke over the internet that Lakers legend Kobe Bryant had died. And as the the social media exploded with the news of it, and people, and just as recently as it was just Friday that they had the kind of a memorial game for him in LA, one of the conversations that tends to come up is why is it that we react the way we do when a celebrity dies, someone who's famous? One of the things that many people do not, a lot of people didn't realize, was the same day that Kobe had died, our embassy in Iraq was hit by rockets. Now, nobody died, fortunately, but there were some pretty severe injuries. And so the question comes is, why do we focus, why do we focus on one more than the other? The cynic would say that we care, people care more about the celebrity than the soldier, but I think that's unlikely. I think there's people that that is true, but I think that's a minority. I think it comes down to, is one of them is expected, the other is not. If you told me last Sunday, last Saturday, or last Sunday that a 41-year-old athlete in the prime of his health, retired, but still in very good health, was going to die that day, and he's not, in a, he's not a police officer in an inner city, he's not in the military, which naturally brings dangers to it, I would say you're nuts or you're a psychic. And so... It goes against our plan. It goes against our designs, our expectations. It is the ultimate reminder that we are not in control. Death is always that reminder. But see, some deaths don't remind us the same way as others. Some, we in our community, we have many we have many funerals throughout the weeks. All you have to do is go talk to, look at John, the Van Houten funeral home list, and there's always plenty of obituaries on there. Many, most of them are in their 80s and 90s. And they, when somebody dies in their 80s and 90s, that's according to what we expect. That we have convinced ourselves that that is natural, that is normal. And by the way, that 
if the evolutionary worldview would hold that it is natural. The reason someone dies is just because they are weak. And so survival of the fittest says that eventually everyone has to die. But what do you do with the deaths that do not happen when we expect them to? What do you do with the tragedies that have hit in our area in this last week, even very recently? Those go against our expectations. They go against our plan. They are a reminder we are not in control. And it also should be a reminder that every death is ultimately not a plan, not natural, but tragic. God did not design the world to, be, to have death in it. Death entered into the world because man fell into sin. When we face the sufferings of our world, we face the evils of our world, that is God screaming at us and telling us that this world is broken. The sad thing is, so often in our world, we do not make jump to that conclusion. We see that a death happens, our first reaction isn't to turn to God. We say that's sad, we say it's tragic, and quite often we go on our merry way pretty quickly. We tell people to go on their merry way quickly. We struggle with death as a culture. But it is the evidence of the sin-fallen world that we live in. And now there are many preachers that they, they make incredible fortunes. They fill their churches to the brims telling you that the way to get free from this is you have to have a good attitude. You have to pray the right prayer. God has planned for you a breakthrough. He's going to accomplish your dreams. He's going to calm the storms in your lives, they say. By the way, when I was at seminary, I was told by a professor, if he ever hears me say, God's going to calm all the storms in your lives, he's going to rip up his certific my certification. So I'll give you an idea as to what they think of that preaching. Because here's the thing, you know the, the, where that comes from? and sometimes some well-meaning Sunday school teachers have taught this too, is comes from the calming of the storm. Jesus is in that boat. The disciples, there's this huge storm brewing up, and the disciples see this going on. They turn to Jesus and say, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus gets up. He says to the storm, peace, be still. The storm was calmed. And he, told, he turned to them and he said, Have you still no faith? See, what happened is, so often people will stop right at the calming of the storm and say, See, all you have to do is pray the right way and God will take care of the storms in your lives. But you miss the part where he rebukes them immediately afterwards. He said, see, what they forgot... They had some idea at this point that the guy that's in the boat with them is the Christ. He is the Son of God, anointed 
for the purpose of bringing salvation to the world. He is not going to die on a boat in the middle of the sea. He is going to go to the cross. That is where he is going to die. Jesus did not have to calm that storm. They were going to get to the other side. But you see, he was, he was asleep. And you know how some people are when you wake them up from a nap? They're grumpy. And so, and basically them asking, it's kind of like kids saying to their parents, can I, can I, can I, please, 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 please. And eventually just to get them to stop begging you, you go do it. Basically, that's what Jesus is doing. He calmed the storm to quiet them so he could go back and take his nap. And so what they've missed the whole time is not it, the, the emphasis, the point is not that God will calm your storms, is that he is, he is in the boat with you in the midst of your storms. He doesn't jump, he doesn't wake up and see the storm and say, I'm out of here, and run across the water, because he's Jesus, he can walk on water, he can do that. He's, he wakes up and says, we have to remember is that he is still there. He's with us in the midst of our storms. Jesus never, ever promised an easy life. He promised exactly the opposite. If you are a Christian, and the bolder you are in your faith, your faith, you will face suffering. Your faith will be attacked. And when I say bold, I don't mean just say, hey, I'm a Christian, I go to church. I mean, you give up things so you can spend time in God's word. It means that when you're with your friends, you at times tell them about Jesus who died for them. You actually talk about it to the point that people get annoyed about you talking about it. That is rare in this country. Even though we have the greatest freedom in the world to do so, we don't do it. One of my professors in college asked the question, have you ever suffered for the gospel? And the very next question he said, if you have not, the next question you needed to ask yourself is, why not? It means you have been quiet about your faith. It means that you have never given a reason for the devil to attack you. Because the devil doesn't see you as a threat. Christians who are bold are a danger to the devil, and he will increase his attacks. He wants us to act like death is absolutely natural and normal, rather than contrary to God's design. The man Simeon, from today's reading, he was an old man, by what many believe, now, he could have been younger, but I, I go with the idea he was older. And he was given this promise that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so there he was one day doing his regular duties. And this, cu this couple came with their 40-day-old child. And very likely it was on a February 2nd. And he saw this child and he knew right away who that child was.
And it's when he saw this child, he said those words that hopefully are somewhat familiar. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Or maybe you make it, it sounds more familiar as, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. That's, by the way, one of the advantages of you saying that all your life, for many years growing up, you might have it memorized, which means you have a very important piece of scripture memorized. See, we always say this, this the time that this is sung or spoken, right after communion. It is spoken or said right next to a deathbed in the commendation of the dying. It is spoken or sung at a funeral. It is spoken or sung in the service of Compline, which is right before you go to sleep. And the reasons are all connected. We say it next to a deathbed. It is, is They have heard the scripture. They've heard of all that God has done, all the working of his promises. And then they've confessed the faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. When you hear those words, it is the pastor saying, you can go in peace. God has kept his word to you. We are saying you can die in peace. We say it right before we go to sleep because sometimes we, people don't wake up from sleep. And we are saying that if we should not wake up, we would be with Christ. We say it right after the Lord's Supper because the very one who was brought to Simeon, that little itty-bitty 40-year-old, 40 40-day 40 baby, that same baby, that same person, his body and blood is present in the bread, in the wine. It is given to you for the forgiveness of sins. And so you taste, you touch, you smell salvation. God is fulfilling his word, the word that he gave to Adam and Eve, the word that he gave to Simeon, the words he gives to you, he is keeping it true. And so when you say those words right after communion, you are saying, I could, it is possible I could go and die now because I have received salvation. God has kept his promise. I have tasted peace. I have received his peace. Because you see, God never promises an easy life. He never promises a, way, a life free from suffering. But he promises that he'll give you strength to endure it. He gives you promises that he will be there every step of the way. And yes, he promises good for all those who believe in him. As long as you understand, you might have to die to get to that good. But here's the thing, most of us will not most of us will be back here next Sunday. And you notice the last part, he says, a life for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. That means the gospel light that we carry. You know, this little light of mine. I'm going to what? Let it shine. Which means we are going to be not normal people. The gospel that we have the gospel that we received 
It is to go out into the world. And we are to confess that Jesus Christ is a historical human being. And he is indeed God who was crucified and risen from the dead in history in a town in the city of Jerusalem. That his resurrection is true whether you feel it or not. Your emotions do not change whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. His resurrection validates your emotions or invalidates them depending where they direct. And it also means that you confess that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That teaching is downright offensive in our culture. In a culture that preaches tolerance, that preaches that there is no such thing as truth, that is offensive but is absolutely necessary because that message is life. And you are to proclaim it, to speak it, to those in the community, whether it be those who have no church, those who are, who are members of this church but are, have been gone for a long time for whatever reason, it is your task to draw to receive the peace of God. Because in that peace comes strength. Because there's no doubt the world's going to bring suffering. Christ gives you what is needed. He gives you the armor to stand. And the hope that it is indeed temporary. Because his kingdom will come in fullness and our bodies will rise in glory. Till that day comes. To him be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen.